Welcome to another episode of Ethnic Discourses. I am your host, Malik Abdul Khalik. By nature, I am a traveler. My studies, life as a scholar, writer, and pedagogue require frequent travel, as well as does my thirst and hunger to experience different cultures and places. Well, since the days of COVID, travel has been stymied, forcing me to focus on maximizing the depth of experience that seemingly ubiquitous places bring that have roots that run deep into the earth, taking us back in time and to different places. I've always wanted to travel to Ethiopia, a landlocked country in Eastern Africa, a crossroads of cultural paths along lands where the emergence of the first anatomically modern humans occurred, strikes my mind with the wonders that alight my palate when mention is made of the decadently delicious food that comes out of my favorite Ethiopian restaurant kitchen. For today's episode, I have the pleasure and honor of speaking with the owner and top chef at Queen Sheba Ethiopian Cuisine that has been a fixture for 15 years in the Midtown region of Sacramento, California. Welcome, Zion Tedesi, to Ethnic Discourses. I have the honor and the privilege of having on today's episode one of the one dear friend of mine and someone who is top in the culinary enterprise here in Sacramento, California. Um, like I said, I started off, she's a dear friend of mine, and uh, her outlook on life and her outlook on politics is something that I hope uh, envelops into a very robust conversation today. So please join me in welcoming uh, Zian Tedesi from Queen Sheba Ethiopian Cuisine. Welcome to my podcast. Welcome. Welcome to Ethnic Discourses. Thank you, Malik, for having me. I really appreciate you for having me here. I'm so privileged. This and, and the your first, uh, you are my first. You are my first guest, and the honor and the privilege is mine. You know, so as I as I led up to this particular piece, I was sharing uh, how I'm a world traveler, and I yet have I I have yet to visit Ethiopia. However. We have, you know, with the world is becoming as solid as it is, we have this beautiful restaurant, you know, that that exists in in the form of Queen Sheba. So, Zion, please tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about what brought Queen Sheba Restaurant into being, and and we'll get into later on how Queen Sheba has been like the nexus of uh, cuisine and and politics here. So, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and about Queen Sheba. Okay. Uh, thank you, Malik. Uh, so, uh, me, my name is Zion uh, in, uh, in Amharic, but Zion in English. So, some people call me Zion, some people call me Zion and Zion. So, uh, that's my name. And uh, I grew up in Ethiopia until I was 16. That's where I went to school. Uh, and then my parents decided to send me to England uh, for, for education. So, I lived in England for another 10 years. So, uh, I was working for my aunt's restaurant uh, called Aksum Restaurant in England. Uh, so as I was a student and uh, every weekend I was working at her restaurant as a, you know, sometimes as a manager or as a waitress or as a cook. So that's how I developed the interest of uh, restaurant businesses. Gotcha. So I realized even I went to school for different things. Then I realized that's what I wanted to do. And my, the food, Ethiopian food was amazing. Really appreciating and all that. So when I moved to uh, Sacramento, there wasn't that much uh, 
fun. So I decided, you know, this would be a good place for especially when Sacramento is such a diverse city. I thought we would be. And, and it has and it has fit in just perfectly because, like I said, I mean, the, the, the food that comes out of the kitchen of Queen, Queen Sheba Ethiopian cuisine, my gosh, it, it makes me makes you seem like I'm over in Ethiopia. However, the distance has been closed, you know, and uh, Zion, you know that my, my favorite dish is the misservat, you know, that's the spicy lentil. So share with us what kind of dishes, if anybody were uh, purviewing your, your menu or stepping, you know, across the threshold and dabbling into, your, into the cuisine of Ethiopia, what might their palate be enticed with? Zion, here's a question that I have, and you know that my the favorite dish that comes out of uh, the restaurant and the, and the and the kitchen of Queen Sheba is misservat. Um, so if yes. so so if some so if somebody other than myself <laughs> were to cross over the threshold and and first thing they're going to be hit with is the myriad and the complex uh, scintillating uh, scents that are going to be hitting their olfactory olfactory senses. But when they sample the the dishes that come off of the menu. Why don't you give our, our listeners a little purview of what exciting dishes come out of that, that amazing kitchen of yours, please? You were talking about the lentils, the greens, and the cabbage, the yellow split peas, the potato and carrots, all that, uh, that all plant-based uh, food that uh, we pride of for, for a long time. Generation Ethiopians have been eating vegan and vegetarian food for thousands of years since uh, Jesus I was born because of our fasting uh, every uh, Easter, every holiday, we have a vegan fasting. So they came up with, you know, I, I thank my ancestors coming up with those plant-based food. So what we have is a lot of vegan and vegetarians uh, come here for an amazing uh, lentils like yourself. Uh, the spices we use, turmeric, uh, the Burberry, that's your favorite. <laughs> the spicy is not just spice, but it is flavorful. This it's is what I mean. Here, people flavorful. are used to just burning, but it is the lentil. How we cook it is with the Burberry, which has uh, different spices to it and herbs that gives it uh, flavor. So Ethiopian food is really, honestly, it's about the flavor. But yes. the flavors are used from plant based like turmeric, uh, paprika, uh, kororima. We call it. We have like ten over over 10, 20 different spices that Ethiopian used to give that flavor to the food. And of course, the injera, the sourdough bread that called Moses bread from, you know, Moses' time. Yes. So, you know, our food, our ancestor came up with an amazing food that I, I'm really proud of. So sharing it with the people, with my customers like you, you know, who's been supporting us for, what, over 15 years now? More than 15 uh, years. And it's been a wonderful experience. <laughs> Yes. So it's just an, an amazing experience for me to see customers coming here and enjoying the food, a different type of food, but it is what we eat every day. It's not really different. It's just all about the flavor. Yes. Sorry, can you hear me? I can I can hear you. Know. Oh, yeah, we're having a little technical difficulties, but that's okay. In this world of COVID-19 and the pandemic, so yes. they're sweeping across. So as I was sharing, so as we were getting into the nitty gritty with respect to, this is one of the things that I've always loved about you, Zion, is your worldview. And that worldview has conflated with the experience that, we're, that, that is currently sweeping across, not only Sacramento, yeah. but with the United States. And as I led up to this particular piece, we have two pandemics that are sweeping across the United States as well as the world. One is in the form of COVID-19, and the other one is in the form of 
institutional racism, which has been, uh, there's been a movement to protest and in the form of Black Lives Matter. And what I've, and this is one of the things that I love most, you know, about uh, individuals have felt most welcome in coming into Sheba and having in-depth conversations, you know, that customarily probably would, they feel foreign about having. So can you share with us any, what, what your worldview has been or anything that you may have put out there in the universe that has been most welcoming, you know, to uh, your involvement, you know, in the book and, and, and providing that venue for people to talk and experience. Ethiopia is on the other side of the world, but guess what? Ethiopia is right here. And yeah. been, you've been doing a lot for, for Black folks. So talk about that for please, for a second. Sure. You know, like you were saying, I'm uh, uniquely uh, uh, situated in a way. I grew up in Africa and Ethiopia for 16 years, and I grew up in a Western society in uh, Europe, in England for 10 years, and came here 2001, uh, which America is uh, my home now, which is Sacramento. This is where my family, my business, my community is here. Uh, so I have uh, a good perspective of, you know, what is everything else, different countries, different places. So I try to share that uh, here in in, in uh, Sacramento on my experience, not just the food, the culture that I grew up on in Africa, the culture I grew up on in Europe, the culture I'm, tr- you know, I'm getting involved in here with my community. So I try to share that with people because the whole world, you know, God has given us the whole world. I mean, we limit ourselves, but when I'm here, I feel like I have the whole world right here. And of course I am, you know, Africans and I'm Ethiopian. So I'm so much connected to uh, that community too. So I try to share, uh, you know, that culture that comes from the whole different walks of life that I had experienced, uh, that we are all the same at the end of the day. We're looking for the same thing. We're looking for, the same culture, the same food, the wellness, the health, that is all I'm about. And I am just so blessed to be in a situation where, you know, the restaurant, I shared that with everybody from all walks of life. Yeah. And that's one of the beautiful, that's one of the beautiful things about being on, that's one of the, that's one of the beautiful things about being on that Broadway strip, because that is considered like the, uh, the, the world, or, or the or the global strip of of culinary taste. So that's one of the good things about that. So Zian, I have a I have a question here. You know, just to humanize, just to humanize. So you know, sometimes uh, when and, and this is cultural colloquialism. So we'll, we'll, we'll share for this. You know, sometimes when individuals are sharing, hey, what's that secret ingredient that you put into a recipe? And I'm not asking that. One of the questions that I was asking was, and you were talking about uh, that cultural meeting point. You know, of 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 Ethiopian here, you know, and and, and Queen Sheba, uh, Ethiopian cuisine being a, a an extension of the quiz, uh, cuisine and culinary expression of Ethiopia. So, you know, sometimes there's that col- there's cultural colloquialism, meaning that if you if your food tastes so good that you must have put your foot in it, you know, or there's some love in it, or whatever like yeah. that. So I'm asking, I'm asking you, Zion, can you share with us? I'm not asking you to break the secret, but I'm I'm asking you, what is that love? What is that? What is that special foot that you put in your dishes that has me keep coming back or has, you know, customers keep coming back? What, what is that love? What is that, 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 that extra foot that you put in there? What is that? Share that with us, please. So what I think it is, is, you know, this is our culture again, how we prepare food, how we cook food. It has to be 
with the with attention, with the with the love. Do you see what I mean? That's what they say. Like when you make food hungry, your food doesn't taste good. <laughs> but when you actually <laughs> when you actually take the time to prepare your food, you know, like back home, even just for lunch, they start probably around ten o'clock or even nine o'clock preparing lunch. So it's ready. It's not like, you know, American food where you're just throwing it in the stove or in the microwave or just it's ready in five, 10 minutes. Do you see what I, I mean? See, I see, so I see exactly what you mean. It has a process that goes into it. Yeah. So I. From chopping the onion, putting the, you know, uh, uh, grinding the garlic and ginger together and chopping the spinach and collard, cooking it with fresh tomato and fresh garlic and ginger, fresh turmeric, and all that goes into it. So when we're preparing food, intentional. Do you see what I mean? That's how it is. I because we have yeah. so much value for food more than anything else. And, and you know, and I can attest <laughs> to that because you know, you know that I know and you gave me that permission that I crept over to your restaurant, you know, when you were there one day and posted up in the kitchen, you know, and yeah, and saw, you know, the activities that were going on. So yeah, I saw the grinding, you know, and the and the cheer and the cheerful uh love that was being put into it. But I just wanted you to share with, you know, the the podcast listeners, you know, what 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 that what that love is, you know, because so many times that cultural colloquialism is thrown about, you know, like, hey, the food tastes so well because I put my foot into it. You know, sometimes that that intangible is hard. It's yeah. hard to define. So thank you very much for sharing them with us. So I have, I have another question, for yeah. us, you know, while we're sitting here at the table talking or like that. So um, and this is a, a, a question to humanize this, you know, because we want our listeners to think that we're just more than just a, a professor, you know, talking to a, a top uh, a chef, you know, who has all this knowledge or like that, you know, of, world not, of, of the world makeup. So I have a question for you. All right. So if you if you could have a superpower, any power. What would it be and why? Hmm. Me, I'll honestly focus on uh, health and wellness, especially food. You know, you know how I am into agriculture. I'm trying to uh, uh, grow right now in California, the superfood uh, TEF. Uh, so I think for me, food is the most valuable because that's what is our health, mental health and physical health. Uh, so when I see it here, how food is the last thing we, we, we think about, I think my power would be in the health and wellness of our spirit, our body, our soul, and our financial health to the same time. You know, we don't need to be millionaire or billionaire yes. to have a financial, um, you know, uh, health because that's where our kids depend on it. Our food depend on it. When we don't have enough money, we end up eating McDonald's and Taco Bells. And that's what really sometimes it hurts my heart when I go to uh, places like the Paso or the South areas, like a food desert. And that's not in Africa. You know, one thing we are proud of is our food. We really could, every African country cook their own food. We don't throw food in oil and, you know, and just it's ready in five minutes and uh, that's the food. Do you see what I mean? mean. So I'm trying to change that culture, especially for for black people. That is not our food that we eat here. Do you see what I I mean? Africans don't eat the stuff that African-American eating because that came from that, you know, slavery food. And, you know, uh, uh, went down to our our kids. And now we have mental health problem. We have this problem and that problem. 
that I feel like is really the root of the cause. Obviously, there's a lot of other things too, but food is the most essential thing for people. You, do you see what I, I mean? That's our everything. I see exactly what you mean. And you're, yeah. and you're talking more than just uh, the, the the mere putting on a cape. I mean, you've done a lot of you've done a lot of work with respect to. You mentioned Tef. Uh, so you've done, done yeah. some work with respect to try, trying to try, attempting to triangulate uh, the procurement of land, you know, and things of that sort. So can you talk a little bit to that? Because that's an extension, yeah, that's an extension of your entrepreneurship. Yeah, because, you know, I realize, you know, wheat is uh, actually getting people sick in this country. We Everything we eat is wheat, the bread and everything, bleached flour. So people are getting sick. A lot of people have allergy. So the reason why is because the, the diet, the, the bleach, uh, wheat flour, the corn syrup and the soda and all that kind of thing. So right now with the teh flour, you know, for my injera, the restaurant, because of the gluten-free allergy, it has so much demand. So I know people are looking for healthy food. So how do I get into that so I can provide that grain for the people, it, it helps the economy, it helps the people. It's a win-win situation. So that's when, and then plus, obviously, that would help us connect to our motherland, Ethiopia, Africa, because that's where this originated from. That's our diet, TEF, but we can't have it here because of the people of in Ethiopia depend on that grain. So what we're trying to do is actually grow it in California. So we're not taking... The, the grain from the people who needs it the most. So I'm working with UC Davis right now. We're growing it for the first time. It's growing beautifully in California, but we're going to take the technology, the education, the training, everything uh, we've done here, take it to Africa so we can uh, share that knowledge and technology so our farmers in Africa can benefit from California uh, because California is an agricultural state. So Africa should be feeding yes. the whole world. That's what I believe. God has given us the soil, the, 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 everything that we need, but we just need some help from the Western uh, country like here in the U.S. in Europe. You know, you're, you're talking about, the, you're, you're talking about the, the connection with culture and land and things of that sort and, and culture and sharing. That, that's, that's, and that's why I said, Zion, from the other, I always loved your, your outlook, you know, on connectivity with respect to uh, Africans in the diaspora, you know, and the connection that we have. So since we're talking about, well, since we're talking about culture and we're talking about sharing, I have a question. Yeah. You know, so what, so if you were a younger you or somebody who's coming up right now through the ladders of entrepreneurship, so what advice would you give to somebody wanting to enter uh, the, 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 um, Maybe the restaurant enterprise, you know, or things of that sort. Because sometimes, especially in these days, you know, and, and I, I won't focus our, our attention on primarily black folk, but we'll focus sometimes our attention on uh, uh, black and brown folk because those are the ones who are experiencing the bulk of the uh, difficulty, you know, with respect to starting out starting out their own business. So, what what advice would you give to somebody who's yeah. striving to develop their own entrepreneurship, but feeling like the the cards are stacked against them. Yes. So, you know, I'm part of IAMSAC Foundation that we're trying to build uh, businesses because what I've I've experienced, especially because of this uh, uh, um, corona uh, epidemic, uh, we, we, especially as black businesses, 
we we didn't know what to do. We didn't know where to go. We didn't know how to apply the paperwork. So I felt like we didn't have any platform for us Black people to go to and then have all the businesses if we need PP, you know, the the PPP money or the um, uh, small business administration to get us going. We didn't know what to do. So what we're trying to do is create that platform so to get our uh, uh, blood family or whoever interested in getting into businesses to start them from scratch and get them there as long as they know what they're doing, what they want to do. So I feel like that is missing in our community. And we're working hard, as I speak, you know, every day to build that platform, a resource center under I am SAC uh, Foundation, which is Stefan Alonzo Clark. Yes. Uh, so that our kids, uh, when they give them a platform, if they want to get to businesses, we can actually set them up from A to Z, how to get to that, uh, to, to do their own thing. So this is, this is what I think, you know, America is an opportunity land. So there's so many people coming from a different country, like me, African, from Africa, from Asia, from Europe, from all over the world. They come here, uh, for opportunity. Uh, um, this you what I mean for their opportunity. I see exactly. So, what what, yeah, this is an opportunity land. But the, what I see is our people, our black people, were left behind from all that opportunity. Do you see what I mean? So our vision is to to create with the with the group of people what I am part of, what I am SAC Foundation, so that we can show them how to get into business, how we can train them for jobs, how we can train them for businesses, how we can train them so whatever they need to be when they come out of this and that. So we have classes for them, which a lot of community has that, but we are lack of that. So that's what we're trying to build. So what I want to really tell people is this is an opportunity land and our ancestors paid for it. They have slept for it for us. So we can take advantage of what they have paid for. Do you see I, what I see I mean? very much what you so mean. So we shouldn't be afraid. Yeah, we shouldn't be afraid, especially this is, like I said, you know, our Africans paid for it. Our African ancestors paid for it. Our black people paid for it. For nothing, with no payment, nothing. So right now, we need to be waking up and saying, I need to get into the businesses. I need to get into the education. I need to get into the job force, but we got to get it ready for them. But by working with the city, with the nonprofit, with the businesses, we're trying to create that for our people for the first time. So hoping that at least we can show them how to get to the, the their vision and their goals. Precisely. Without struggling. Precisely. And yes. if there has been, and thank you very much for that, Zion, if there has been that proverbial uh, silver lining within, you know, the dark cloud of uh, sheltering in place and staying at home. There's been that exponential creation yeah. or exponential attempt to create uh, entrepreneurship or cell phone, you know, cell phone businesses amongst uh, black and brown folks. So mm-hmm. thank you very much for that piece of advice. And culture is culture, you know, culture is very much sharing is caring. Yeah. And um, we, we appreciate your yeah. wisdom. Thank you very much for being the first guest on Ethnic Discourses podcast. And you know, between now and probably the, the time that this airs, I'll be have visited your your your, your beautiful restaurant many times over. But uh, Zion, this 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 has been a pleasure, and this has been an honor of myself as well as my listeners. Uh, thank you very much for visiting uh, Ethnic Discourses podcast. And as I close out each show with, um, this is this has been a, a cultural conversation, and you know what's right. <laughs>
Thank you, dear. Thank you. I appreciate you for all you do. Thank you very much. Thank you. Caring, sharing is caring. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Ethnic Discourses. At this time, I want to give a shout out to my musicologist, who's provided the theme song for my show, Randy Ram. Also, I want to give a shout out to Candle Wonders for providing the muted yet ambient glow in my studio. New episodes are to appear every other Wednesday. If you like my show, please subscribe. And sharing is caring. Tell somebody else.